Hello, and welcome to Pieces of Me Inside Zalando. So why is this podcast called Pieces of Me? Well, we ask each of our guests to bring along three items that are important to them. These pieces of me can be absolutely anything at all, but each one has a valuable lesson attached or an important story to tell. My name is Jenny Matos, and I'm a program manager full-time at Zalando. And on the side, I'm here to record this podcast for you. This podcast series is all about taking a look behind the scenes into fashion and tech retail. It's a world that is challenging, constantly evolving, and always rewarding. We'll give you the tools and tactics to succeed in fashion and tech retail, and find out more about leading figures in the industry as I discuss their pieces of me. On this episode, I'm talking to Tesha Truha, Lead Proposition Packaging, R&D. Welcome, Tesha. How are you? Hey, Janine. I'm good. Thank you for having me. So first of all, Lead Proposition Packaging, R&D, what does R&D stand for? That is research and development. I always really appreciate when people kind of make sure to be direct with those, because especially when you join a new company, it's, it's alphabet soup. Okay, so before we talk about what you actually do at Zalando, please first mention what are the three items that you brought? I, I hope they're actually really interesting items, but I may have to explain them a little bit. The first one I brought is actually a shuttle for weaving. So it's a piece of kind of carved wood and it has um, thread on a bobbin that you pull through. And this is for weaving on a floor loom. So actually making textiles. So you've probably seen this kind of in uh, olden times, <laughs> carpets, weaving, scarves, uh, any sort of textile. And my second one is actually um, a nameplate from my father's office. It says Tom Truhaft Computer Services. This was from his last office. The third one I brought is actually a gift from a really good friend of mine. It's a rubber stamp, and it says, from the library of Tesha Truhaft. No way. That is amazing. Okay, I'm really looking forward to the stories behind those three items. But before we find out the stories behind it, of course, I want to also know, what do you actually do at Zolando? What is behind that title? Sure. So I am part of a, a team. My broader team is actually logistics, sustainability and packaging innovation. And I am a team lead of a sub team under that umbrella called Proposition Packaging R&D or Research and Development. Basically, at Zalando, we have a lot of different propositions. Originally, we had our fashion store, which is, of course, textiles, shoes, all sorts of fashion. We also have our designer category. We also have beauty. We also have Zalando Lounge. And all of these different propositions, to a certain extent, require a differentiated packaging experience. So my team is basically tasked with looking at our packaging portfolio and trying to define where we can optimize on our existing packaging um, and where we actually need to build entirely new types of packaging for our customers. And this, I think, as you can imagine, is rather complex given uh, the size of our customer fulfillment network. But our team is really looking at how do we balance a really beautiful unboxing experience for our customers with our commercial or business needs, with legal requirements that we might have, with our sustainability strategy, and in general, also make it really operationally efficient so that we can, uh, you know, 
make our warehouses happy and make sure that we're not breaking any internal processes when we launch this new packaging. How do you find out what the best packaging is for each of the items? Is it a research or is there a group somewhere? No, it's a, it's a great question because this is really the bread and butter of what we do, right? We have to do a lot of discovery around what's actually needed. And it's requirements from a lot of different areas. So what's most operationally efficient may not be most sustainable, may not be the nicest customer experience. We really have to have a balance of how we design the system. In general, we follow a 4D process. So that's four phases that we go through to really figure out exactly what the packaging should be and then also test it and then scale it up if we find that it's a good solution. And those four phases are discover. So what do customers want? What's most sustainable? What's relatively inexpensive? What's efficient? These kinds of things. Define, where we say, okay, I think this is the right solution. <laughs> Design, where we actually say, okay, we think we know the right solution, but now we have to figure out how to make it and deliver. And that's where we actually pilot in front of customers once we've gone through this process to say, okay, now we have some data to back up our hypothesis that this is a good solution. It usually also involves teams like market research, teams like our customer care to really make sure that it's working from all aspects. And then if it passes through that project, that's when it will join the Zalando portfolio. Was there ever a packaging that went totally wrong? <laughs> so not in my time at Zalando so far. I think there's always a lot of problem solving that's built into this process. We hope that it's never on a huge scale, but of course there could be because you're designing something so complex. One of the core things I, I love about doing packaging, especially at Zalando, is the thought in order to make that experience that you had really, really clear and really easy to use. There is a lot of design that goes behind that. So, Tasha, now I actually want to move the topic to the three items. The first item you brought is a shuttle for weaving. And you already explained how it kind of looks like. And it does look very 18th century kind of item. Tell me about it. Why did you bring this? So I've actually been a, a weaver since I was about 12, 13 years old. And it's a funny hobby, I guess, for somebody of that age. But my parents always sent me to art camps and this kind of thing in my hometown. And I really found weaving and floor loom weaving when I was quite young. And I say quite young because the classes I was taking, I think I was the youngest by about 30 or 40 years. <laughs> It's mostly older women who uh, are, are engaged in this hobby. But I now have a floor loom in my apartment in Berlin. It's quite wide. It's about a meter wide. And I do a lot of different artistic projects with it, weaving various things for friends. And, you know... I think that weaving is actually a great hobby. It requires a few things that I think are really relevant, not only to, to sort of making things, but also to my job, which is that it's actually a lot of planning. So if you think about mapping out a project, because you basically have a pattern that you want to achieve, you have to do a lot of planning and it's a lot of math to figure out what kind of project you're going to do. I used to always ask my weaving teacher when I was young, so how do you become a really good weaver? And she would say, it's about being a good planner 
and it's about being a good problem solver. She said, you're a good weaver when you've made every single mistake warping and weaving on your loom and you figured out how to solve them. And that's when you're good, because as much as you sort of plan when you're making a project, let's say a scarf and you lay out exactly how much yarn you need and how big it's going to be, what kind of fiber you're using, all these things, you will inevitably encounter something, broken threads, (laughs) your tension being off, something getting strange that you have to solve. And I think it's it's sort of a, a fabulous hobby. I think people should be more involved. I mean, there's a lot of people who knit, I think. This is a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe like, so knitting is like the handy thing. You just pack it quickly in a bag, get it stored. But now you need the entire machine in your apartment, right? Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, it's always kind of a fascinating thing when people come over to my flat because it's it's not something most people do. But my parents really encouraged it. And eventually they bought me a floor loom, which I sort of took with me to, to university as well. <laughs> wow. um, I didn't ship that one over. I found a, a man in Stuttgart who imported looms and got my current loom. But yeah, I think uh, it's a great hobby and it's really nice to have an artistic outlet in addition to my job that's really fun and sort of relaxing and also kind of requires you to think a bit. What was your biggest project so far in weaving? So I, when you learn to weave, you you have, you know, over, under, over, under classic weaving. (laughs) You have a lot of um, also really complex structural things you can do weaving two layers of cloth directly on top of each other and having them intersect and these kinds of things. So I just did a project with double weave where you actually do that. You do two separate layers and one layer was entirely black and one layer was entirely rainbow. And then they sort of wove in and out of each other. I have to admit, I did, of course, researched what you do. And then I found your Instagram and I actually found that lining, that wool that you use? Because I think you actually did not put up the, the final results. I'll show you, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wore it today, but I mean, I like these projects that kind of push a bit the boundaries of what you can do while weaving. That's a really cool hobby. And then your second item, actually, it's the office nameplate from your father's last job. This one's kind of funny, but I mean, you can probably tell that my parents are a bit eccentric from their early encouragement of my weaving career. Um, But my father, he had a really interesting path through, I think, his career. And I mean, of course, he's now in his 70s, so he's been retired for quite a while. But when he was in school, he actually studied, he did his master's in comparative religions, (laughs) And then he went on to be a respiratory therapist. (laughs) So working with people who have lung problems. And he worked in a hospital. And at one point, they were having an issue with their computer system for how they would basically, I think, print out those bands that you get that have your details when when you come in to stay at a hospital. And then he ended up actually getting a job in their computer services division. And so what I love about this is that he had a very non-traditional path, but I think a path that represents a lot of curiosity. And this nameplate, he used to say to me when I was applying to art school and I, you know, asked my parents, like, 
are you upset I'm not becoming an engineer or, or something else? You know, these traditional ones. I don't know if art school's a bit wild. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not worried because you'll find a path. Look at my career. <laughs> so you had the best example at home, actually, to just know even if you go one path, doesn't mean you have to stick to that path. You can always go some other way. Yeah. And I mean, I always love this. He took this when he retired from his last office at the hospital, this computer services <laughs> nameplate. And then somehow it, it made its way from Michigan in the U.S. all the way to Berlin to my apartment. <laughs> but I think it's a really nice reminder of, you know, to almost be a little bit opportunistic in your career. Of course, you need to come being able to provide value and being able to do a certain job. But at the same time, I think I really try and embody this sort of curiosity in the projects that I approach and also the people that we bring on to our team that it's not always about just having the sort of perfect CV where we can fit you exactly into a slot. Sometimes it's about finding people who are just going to be curious and figure it out and see opportunity or connections where other people don't. And I think this love of non-traditional pads really comes from my father. I really like that. I really like also you said like the CV is not everything. Sometimes it's really just how you fit in a team with your character, with the way you approach things. I have been also interviewing people for my team. And I also feel like you go with the character and how, how do they fit? No, I always like this because his big joke used to be like, I would ask him like, well, if I go to art school, what career am I going to have? Does that mean I have to become an artist? Does that mean I have to do this or that? And he would say, Tesh, don't worry about it. The job you're going to have doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this lent me a lot of confidence to really just explore and be curious and figure out how my skills could really translate to solving interesting problems. But you said you actually studied furniture design? Yeah, my my bachelor's was in art and design, but it wasn't it wasn't specific to a medium. It's more about being able to express ideas through multiple mediums. And when I graduated, I really wanted to double down on sort of a particular type of design. So for me, furniture was sort of the the one to go for. If, if you kind of have, I guess, industrial design, furniture design, architecture is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I really like the scale of, of furniture. So that's what I did my master's in, um, which also, I mean, taught me a lot about project management, because when you present your work, you know, the chair better stand. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I studied design the entire time. And then that started my path towards really loving to work in, in tech, but always with physical products. That became sort of a hardware startups. And then eventually I really felt like I gravitated towards packaging. So now moving to the third piece. I was already curious with the other ones, but rubber stamp with Library of Tesha. So maybe a bit of backstory first. So I took a sabbatical year a few years ago in between jobs. I had just left a startup that I was with for about four years and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do next. And while I was on that sabbatical, I read over a hundred books. And so I was traveling a bit, spending some time with friends and family and doing different things, but I was also reading a lot. 
And one of my good friends, she was, I guess, quite impressed by this. <laughs> and so she and I started then a book club, which was all women, but different women that we had met in Berlin, most of whom work in, in tech. And we wanted to just start reading some things together and also get some recommendations for other people. So as you can imagine, through these two things, I have quite a library now, and I love physical books. And I was thinking about what book could I even bring if I had to pick one <laughs> to show you, Janine? <laughs> and it was impossible. But um, because I started lending out a lot of my books all the time and completely losing track of them, because I love to give books, especially ones that I like to people, and I kind of tell them, you know, get it back to me whenever. So I lose a lot of books. <laughs> um, my friend had this rubber stamp made for me that says, from the library of Tasha Truehaft just in case this would help those books find their way back to me at some point. I mean, in the end, no one can say, I didn't know it was yours because now they have a stamp in it. So at some time it has to find their way back. That's a really cool idea and gift. It's gotten to the point where I have multiple copies of some of my favorite ones. Oh, no. And then they come back and I'm like, why do I have three copies of this? <laughs> um, so I will say the stamp has not helped that problem that much, <laughs> but I do love the idea of it. Tasha, thank you so much for being here with me and for telling me about your three items and what you do. I mean, I learned a lot about the packaging and the process behind it. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And thank you, Janine. I think the podcast is really cool. I learned a lot about colleagues across Orlando that... I may never interact with naturally, but I love hearing their stories. So thank you for this. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to know more about careers at Zalando, go to jobs.zalando.de. Our next episode is coming in two weeks, and I'll be talking to another guest from Inside Zalando about life inside the fashion and tech retail industry. And of course, there are three pieces of me. In the meantime, visit our Instagram page, Insights Orlando, to know more about us. See you next time. Thank you for being with us.